As a finance professional, you're constantly looking to learn from the best. Do you want to meet them? Join me and our panel of top industry experts at our next CFO Leadership Live event on August 24th in Dallas, Texas, as we talk with three CFOs about the challenges that finance teams are facing today and how best to overcome them. The workshop includes a complimentary buffet lunch and the chance to network with other DFW finance leaders. Head over to CFOLeadershipLive.com to secure your seat. Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Tom Fenzel. Tom has over 20 years of experience in financial management and investment banking. Before joining PriceFX, he held CFO positions at several privately owned middle market companies and advised on M&A and financing transactions across multiple industries, both in Europe and in the United States. Tom teaches a private equity class at the Institute of Economic Studies at Charles University. Tom, thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Great to be here. Yeah, today we're going to be talking a little bit about you, a little bit about PriceFX, a little bit about your journey to the the position of the CFO, and just some of your viewpoints and outlooks. Um, So I'm really looking forward to learning about you, learning about PriceFX, and uh, so let's get started. Sounds great. Um, First of all, and, and I always ask my guests, this question, but can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, kind of your journey to how it is that you ended up where you are today? Sure. My journey, I guess, started, uh, I'm going to date myself, but uh, uh, the important point is uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, I grew up uh, in uh, what was then communist Czechoslovakia, uh, and uh, the the change of the political climate has uh, has a, had a great uh, influence on my choices in, in, in life. And uh, so when I finished uh, college, uh, which was shortly thereafter, uh, I decided that I wanted to move uh, uh, to London uh, and see sort of the how the big financial centers work. Um, I guess this this uh, uh, juxtaposition of the, the central planned communist economy and, and sort of the, the all, all new uh, Capitalist system and sort of market economy was uh, was something that was fascinating to me and <clears throat> and really from then on, uh, even though I changed my jobs um, in in sort of different roles within finance, I've really been in finance ever since since then. So as you look back on your career, and I can imagine that you know living through the falling of the wall must have been um, must have been very significant. But can you point out any particular stories or moves that? really stand out in your mind as turning points in your career. Absolutely. Um, so as I as I said, I first moved to London. I, I, I then went to the U.S. where I got my MBA at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. And from there, I, I knew that I wanted to uh, be an investment banker. So I went to New York. I joined Salman Spitz Barney, now part of Citigroup. Um, and then I worked for about four or five years uh, in New York on... Um, 
and I work also for another firm after that um, as an investment banker. Um, I left uh, left Wall Street uh, shortly before the 2008 uh, crisis, uh, and part of the reason, besides kind of being done with banking, was that um, I wanted to go back to uh, 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 my country of origin and and sort of see how things were changing there and sort of what opportunities were there. I joined a small um, private equity M and A boutique, uh, and um, yeah, and I started working as a uh, as a investment professional in in private equity. Um, and the the turning point you're asking about for me certainly came uh, as a result of, um, of a failure, if you will. Um, one of our portfolio companies had gotten into uh, pretty serious trouble. Um, it was when we first bought it; it was profitable and had a, you know, pretty good uh, market position, and 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 all sorts of things were going right for it. And then crisis in two thousand nine uh, hit it, and uh, and within a year uh, it ran out of cash and and got into uh, uh, sort of very uh, negative financial uh, situation. And I was asked to join as a, or initially as an interim CEO, because we got rid of the CEO that we had there. Uh, and then when I hired my successor, um, I was asked to stay as a, as a CFO. And that really, for me, was the, uh, was the launchpad and how I ended up in, in sort of the financial management. Um, it was originally uh, from this uh, sort of uh, crisis management point of view. Yeah, that must have been an amazing experience, turning a company around, pulling it out of the grave. Indeed. It was, uh, it was probably some of the most uh, stressful months in, in, in my life. Uh, you know, nothing before or after really, really was like that. And it was also, for me, this, was, um, this is now maybe 15 years, 10 years back. And it was also for the first time realization that what I'm doing for a living where, you know, as I told you, I've been doing finance at that point for quite a while. But what I'm doing is not just sort of working with spreadsheets and, and, and numbers and uh, analysis and so forth, but it's really the deci- driving decisions that affect uh, people's lives and, and sort of fates of companies. This company, um, locally at least, uh, was pretty well known. And, uh, and um, sort of lots of people cared how it's going to end. So um, you all of a sudden realize that... Um, uh, you have you have quite a lot of responsibility in, in making your decisions, and that's um, that was definitely a formative moment. Yeah, I'm just curious, how did you handle that stress? Uh, good question. <laughs> uh, did you find like some sort of outlet? Um, I don't know. I, I, I always wonder how people manage through such stressful times. I guess you I guess you need a support of uh, family and friends. Uh, it's it's definitely important to. Have someone to go back to and uh, and uh, uh, and sort of talk about your work without it being work. Um, and I, I was also was lucky that the the CEO that uh, we hired to you know for, with whom I then um, worked as a CFO, um, we became friends and uh, and uh, and it was a little bit like I've, so I've never been in military, I've never never been in war, uh, God forbid, but. Uh, you know, you, you you read these stories or you watch movies and stuff. How people in those sort of crisis situations yeah. become very close, and and that certainly was my experience with this with this guy. Where uh, the way I describe it sometimes to people is like, you know, you strip down to your underwear, right? You can't hide anything from from each other because you need to trust yourself. Uh, you can't bullshit with each other. You, you you just have to 
have to rely on each other. And 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 I think that that bond, that uh, sort of feeling of brotherhood, uh, does actually help you deal with the deal with the stress. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about price price FX. What what is it that they do? So we're a SaaS solutions provider uh, of uh, uh, price optimization and management. So uh, that's basically dealing with uh, companies when they when they uh, set their prices and they want to optimize their prices. So it's a software that allows that. And the software, essentially what it does for companies, it increases the efficiency and agility of that process, the pricing process. And it also allows uh, to uh, grow revenue and expand margins. The, the efficiency uh, is achieved and, and agility is achieved by obviously automation. This is a story that uh, nowadays, you know, hundreds, thousands of companies are, are are some way or another dealing with digital digitalization and of business and automation. So, so we're part of that uh, mega trend, if you will. And the part where you know our customers achieve growth in revenue and and, and margin expansion has to do with the with the better uh, analysis and uh, optimization. And and here I would say that. From my own experience, this is something that even before I joined PriceFX, I obviously was one way or another dealing with pricing, either as a uh, financial manager or before as a uh, as an investor or, or a banker. And um, these things are, you know, for larger companies with more complex businesses, they they get very complex very quickly. And um, you you have a choice of dealing with it one of two ways. One way is um, you have a small army of people that take a lot of time uh, working with Excel slowly, you know, repetitive tasks, um, and and maybe you get the right answers with all the detail necessary, but it's certainly not agile and it's prone to errors. Or, which we would often do as, as sort of investors or advisors, uh, you do a sort of a quick and dirty analysis where you, where you get, um, where you get, um, you know, reasonably good answer quickly, but um, at a cost of um, sort of losing some of the detail. And that obviously then suffers and, and often consultants uh, suffer from this because they, they come up with a good, good uh, recommendation. But um, to put it in practice, you need to translate it into actual processes within the company, which we are trying to uh, improve uh, its, uh, its profitability. And so this, this tension has been in pricing, in, in finance, in, in uh, sort of uh, price management, as far as I can remember. It's only now with uh, sort of the technologies that are available last few years that you can do both at the same time. So you have the sort of detail level of, you know, you can uh, change prices at a level of SKU, um, but at the same time, uh, you can do it quickly and, uh, and sort of have a manager, price manager, sort of a pricing manager see sort of holistically the whole company. So that's a really exciting, exciting change in, uh, in, in how people do business. Yeah, that is very exciting. Um, is there like a target client or, or customer that you guys are, are good fit for? Or is it any size company, any industry? So in terms of industries, we, we can apply our software to pretty much any industry. Uh, exclusion would be maybe a couple sort of regulated industries and so forth because their pricing is, is done differently. But but sort of any kind of good old industry that you can think of can apply our software. Uh, in terms of size, it's less about size. It's more about maybe complexity, if you will. 
um, because there is you know, some uh, cost, both in terms of time and, and money, to obviously implement soft, uh, software like this. And so if you have a really small and really simple business, then it's not really worth uh, the effort. Um, you can apply it, but it's just not worth, the ROI is not there. Uh, but as soon as you, you know, for us, anything, any business over you know, half a billion dollars in revenue uh, is probably a good candidate uh, uh, of, um, for applying this. But generally, the, the, the differences between businesses are, do they have a lot of SKUs, stock-keeping units, right? Do they have a lot of different channels? Do they uh, price, trans price transactions or price uh, things uh, frequently, right? So, so the more frequently you change your prices, the more uh, complex is your, your, your sort of channel management and the more complex is your, is your inventory, uh, well, the more likely it is that you will benefit from a software like this. Yeah, and is it just a monthly subscription fee? Um, we started with a monthly subscription. We still offer it occasionally, but uh, given that most of our companies these most of our most of our uh, customers these days are what we call enterprise customers, so that will be one billion dollars and more, um, they are used to paying on an annual basis. And you've now been at PriceFX for about four years, if I'm not mistaken. So as Just you look back... Just celebrated my anniversary on Monday. Yes. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and as you look back uh, on the, the last four years, what are your proudest achievements? The thing that I'm most proud of, besides sort of the, the narrow thing that, uh, you know, I was privileged to be able to build a fantastic uh, finance team uh, and, and generally sort of operations team um, that we have mainly residing back in Prague, Czech Republic. The biggest uh, uh, sort of proud moment for me is that we're still here with the original kind of spirit of um, kind of can-do attitude. We, um, we still have very uh, flat organizational structure. We have uh, uh, lots of sort of internal communication about how the business is going. And, um, and that's exciting. That's what really brings me uh, to come to work. Um, I worked in um, some very large businesses, uh, large corporations before, and uh, sort of the stifling of uh, of uh, human spirit, which you sometimes experience there, is something that um, I'm I'm trying to fight. And so far, we're still still pretty pretty successful at that. So th that's something that makes me very happy. Yeah, and let's talk about that growth. So I I think when you started, you were employee number seventy four. Um, and That's now fine. the company has over 400 employees. And, and I, love, I love that kind of rapid growth and the challenges that come with it. Um, so let's talk about a couple things related to that growth. First, the talent. How do you attract and retain the best talent, especially in a growing organization where you're constantly hiring and people are pulled in lots of different directions? So... The growth itself is clearly part of the things that attracts people, right? Because with growth comes opportunity, and 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 as a as an employee, um, uh, you realize that as the company grows, then then sort of there's more opportunities for you to um, go into more senior role, or or maybe change what you're doing to sort of maybe move to a new geography or whatever else kind of attracts you about growth, right? If you don't have any growth and everything's stagnant, then um, then you realize that it's very hard to change whatever is your current lot. So, so I think that's, that, that clearly is, is one of the attractors. Um, the, 
the second thing is what I talked about in a minute, or talked about a minute ago, which is the um, which is the culture that we uh, spend quite a lot of uh, uh, time and energy uh, fostering and 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 maintaining uh, of 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 openness and. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on your podcast, but no, we call it no bullshit uh, culture. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> and and we actually have a have a button that kind of like can press in, in a meeting, and it screams like no, no bullshit and stuff. So <laughs> I love that. It's a. It, 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 it sounds like a joke, but it's it's really something that um, I think is is critical to um, making people excited about working for for your company, and 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 I think we've we've been pretty successful at maintaining that and and that helped us to um, both hire and retain great talent. And uh, next, let's talk about processes. So how do you make sure that processes are in place without maybe stifling the, that startup mentality or the innovation that goes along with it? So you have to be selective, right? So, so you need some processes, but... Um, but uh, you want to really think twice before you implement a new process or or make any given process more more rigid. Um, uh, I think that the one uh, aspect here, which is important to mention, we not only grew in sort of total numbers, but we also, for the size of our company, uh, we're pretty a complex organization. We're global. We have uh, we operate in uh, seven different jurisdictions um, uh, with five or six different currencies on three different continents. So it is pretty complex to keep this, uh, keep this together. Um, and um, I, it wouldn't be possible without modern technology, right? So I, I spoke about what our own software does, but you can flip it around and our success is dependent on our ability to use uh, similarly sort of dynamic software uh, for our processes, whether it's accounting, whether it's... Uh, uh, sales operations, whether it whether it's anything, you know, HR or anything else. So uh, we heavily use various different sort of SaaS systems, and um, and and coupled with the responsibility and freedom that we give to people at you know all levels of 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 management of the company, um, I think that's what keeps it together. And lastly, um, risk. So uh, how do you enable growth? Um, I know that that takes some risk taking, um, but still maintain control over how much risk the company is taking, especially as the CFO. So um, I think that there is, there is um, you're, you're right, obviously, you before you make any sort of big decisions or any risky decisions you, you want to analyze and you want to think about it. But, but ultimately, there is a... Um, there is nothing like uh, eliminating risk entirely, especially if you want to kind of grow and and expand your business. So um, uh, for me, it's been always about two things. Um, one is um, our fundraising that we've done um, has always been, you know, I've always pushed for doing it at a time when we weren't out of money, right? So I didn't want to be uh, in a situation where we have no reserve and um, um, because that that obviously doesn't allow you to respond to any adverse developments. So having some cash reserve, I think it's it's critical. Uh, and it's not something that I, as a CFO, you know, tell my colleagues too often. But sort of they know that it's there, and 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 uh, um, they can take risks, and and we could we would survive it if 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 they didn't pan out. And the second thing is um, is uh, monitoring the business. Um, I believe in in 
understanding the business from, you know, whether it's the, from the financial role or, or, or sort of top management role, understanding the business in really great detail and, and you know, not running the business just by one or two numbers, but really understand it inside and out. And that understanding allows you uh, to see if um, things are going well or if there is sort of things that maybe are, are, are beginning to show signs of um, sort of heading in a wrong, wrong direction. And then you can, you can respond to that before the problem really becomes big. So I think those two things combined allow you to manage risk. And speaking of funding, um, you've raised over $120 million in venture capital funding. So what was your strategy there? We really, from the start, from the first uh, uh, Series A, which happened uh, the year before I joined, uh, the strategy has been um, we're raising money to grow. The business is, um, by the time we we raised our first uh, funding, the product was uh, completed. I mean, obviously it keeps developing, but but it was a functioning uh, product with uh, um, you know paying customers and 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 successful implementation. So that wasn't uh, that wasn't the issue. Um, but we were originally founded as a as a company in Germany. Uh, the European uh, software market is uh, is not nearly as as dynamic and large as as the one in the US. So we've known that you know if we want to grow and grow aggressively, that means growing in the US as well as in Europe, uh, and that. Uh, was really where we where uh, most of our investment uh, has gone into growing growing both the sales and marketing effort and and ultimately the support operations as well. And how has that expansion in the U.S. been going? It's going great. I mean, it's it's a it's we were. Um, I think in the year that I joined, I think U.S. contributed something like twenty five thirty percent of the of the revenue or what we call uh, um, the annual recurring revenue ARR. It's now over 50%. It's, um, it's a market that uh, still allows us uh, a lot of opportunity for further growth. And um, we keep, uh, we keep focusing, focusing on it. And I know your software probably makes life easier for a lot of companies, but um, as you look internally, are there tools or technologies that you're using that are helping to make your life easier? Absolutely. So. I mean, I already mentioned that we use, uh, you know, things like NetSuite or Salesforce for uh, uh, accounting and 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 sales operations. Um, we're just uh, about the, just last week we've uh, launched a uh, uh, a new initiative where we uh, are rolling out Tableau um, as a as a data uh, analysis and, and visualization uh, platform, uh, where basically we're moving what used to be. You know, Excel-based uh, monthly reporting or quarterly reporting into this um, uh, automated uh, platform, which will giving access to initially the first, the the, the sort of top about ten uh, percent of the uh, of the company. But ultimately, the idea is to roll it out broadly to everyone. Um, and um, and uh, and the idea here is that people should know um, up to the minute what, how the business is doing. Uh, and uh, and um, have the ability to really get into um, not just the top level KPIs, but understanding how those how those performance metrics are uh, driven by the underlying um, underlying drivers. Uh, and um, and yeah, I mean that's this is uh, this is an initiative that took us about a year to to, to pull off. And um, we're hoping that uh, to see returns on that uh, in the near future. 
Yeah, having used Tableau, I mean, I can say that it's an amazing tool. Just be able to take data and create a picture and then drill down into that data. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Indeed, although it wasn't wasn't easy to be to, to be sure, um, and it's not as much the thing with Tableau. Tableau is, is easy to use, but um, uh, cleaning up and and uh, and sorting out the, uh, the 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 underlying data sources was a big challenge. Uh, I mean, you were asking some of the challenges in the growth. Well, one of the big challenges that we 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 face is that as the company gets bigger. Uh, different functions, whether it's uh, sales, whether it's product development, whether it's um, operations or what have you, uh, are are growing further apart from each other, right? So, so it's the siloing of the business, which is natural. It's not something that um, you know. It's surprising uh, as humans, we we like to kind of operate within a uh, a group of people, which is you know maybe 30, 40, 50 people, and um, when it was most of the company. Uh, was comprised in that group, then you naturally kind of connected, whether personally, directly, or, or at least sort of mentally connected with pretty much the whole company. As the company gets bigger, the same kind of a group of people that you hold in your your your, your mind's eye um, now is comprised almost exclusively of people in, in, in your department or function, right? So, so that's the issue. And um, this is something that we definitely grapple with. Um, and cross cross departmental cooperation and communication is 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 a critical thing to, for us to address, and um, and one of the ways in which we had to grapple with this was cleaning up this uh, this this data set um, because the the data came from disparate systems and each system was maintained by a different group of people, uh, but we we believe or we hope that. Um, Having done this exercise, and you know, we'll have to continue in it as as, as the business develops. But um, having this sort of one platform where one data set feeds into uh, reporting or analysis for all different functions will will be kind of the, um, uh, the 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 platform which allows communication between between groups being meaningful. Yeah, um, I've, I've heard so many times that having one version of the truth is critical um, to making sense of data and using it Absolutely. in a smart way. Um, when you started at, at PriceFX, were they using NetSuite or were you part of the transition from something else over to NetSuite? So when I joined, um, uh, we already have selected NetSuite, but haven't been using it as a accounting system. We when we when I started, we still uh, relied on um, outside. Uh, accounting firms in the different jurisdictions to do accounting, and uh, uh, and then we sort of struggled a little bit with consolidation. Um, and clearly, you know, that wasn't a sustainable system. So one of the first things that I did was uh, uh, hire a um, new chief of uh, accounting, and uh, uh, under his leadership, we um, we moved um, all but one of the of the entities uh, in house, and um, are now using. NetSuite as actually the bookkeeping system where uh, all the transactions are recorded and and it's a, it's a big difference. And what advice do you have for CFOs that are looking to drive strategic value to grow revenue and margin? Well, it's funny you you asked about revenue because CFOs are often uh, expected to just talk about cost and cost cutting and and what I would say is that the first advice is. Uh, uh, 
there's there's always more value to be created on 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 the top line than there is on the bottom line, right? On on sort of cost cutting uh, side of things, because there's only so much you can you can you can cut uh, before it starts uh, hindering the business. And not to mention that um, these days lots of businesses are running fairly lean, uh, but you can always do better on the on the top line, which uh, whether that's uh, volume, which as a CFO, maybe you you cannot affect as well, but certainly on a on a um, uh, margin side, cross margin side, and um, it's one of the reasons why I think that you know our pricing pricing software is uh, something that CFOs should should really look into uh, because it um, it it allows them to really contribute to the uh, strategic discussion uh, by driving uh, the agility of decision making. And uh, and um, identifying opportunities, uh, what I would maybe call sort of surgical opportunities, right? Where where you just kind of make a blunt decision that you're going to raise prices across the board, but you can really identify where you can uh, change your prices, where you can change your terms, um, because it's not just about less prices; it's about all the discounts and 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 rebates that you uh, your business may be may be giving giving away. Uh, and this is an area which um, which I think. CFOs would be well advised to pay pay attention to and, and get into, and, and they could be driving really strategic discussion in the boardroom. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's part of the evolution of the CFO's role. Absolutely, I mean, I I, I come from the background where I was being in banking and, and private equity. Uh, I came with the ambition of uh, of um, uh, really having all the all the aspects of the business subject to analysis or subject to understanding of, of the CFO and, and and something that you you not only understand but you can therefore also pine on and and it's uh, it's it's satisfying it's a, it's a um, uh, you know if you're a thoughtful person and you like to kind of understand things I think it's uh, it's something that these days is a lot more accepted it wasn't necessarily the case a decade or two ago but nowadays I think uh, CFOs are expected to really be stewards of the business and uh, and if you if you have the opportunity to do it, then you should rise up to it. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Um, so lastly, as a CFO, what's keeping you up at night right now? I sleep pretty well. <laughs> I, uh, I I think that there is uh, the, the one area which we already talked about, which is keeping me up a little bit, which is the communication and coordination. Uh, when I zoom out from just around... Um, just our own uh, um, kind of company situation. Um, I think that everyone uh, who, who sort of reads the, reads the reads the media or follows the media knows that we're not necessarily in a in a in a great uh, uh, place in terms of uh, kind of the the, the global um, stability. And and I think that you know businesses will face quite a few challenges. Hopefully, not something too drastic. But I think that you know. Assuming that you're that you will always operate in a kind of a benign uh, macroeconomic environment is, is probably not the safest assumption. So I think that um, kind of looking further ahead and and sort of making sure that your business is uh, is is uh, uh, prepared for even uh, downturns and and sort of worse situations is probably something that um, I think keeps people keeps people up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 20 years ago, I don't think it was very important to be a sustainable business or have a mission. Um, 
But these days, yeah. Life was simpler. Life yeah. was simpler for sure. Absolutely. Tom, thank you so much for being my guest today. Hey, you're, you're welcome, Megan. It was, uh, was fun to be here. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experiences and, and all the resulting insights that you've shared with us today. I appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. And I wish you and Price FX all the best. Uh, well, thank our, you very much. To our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.